Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Thank you. I think he said that I have, I have given birth to five kids, and so <laughs> praise God, man. Praise God. Primarily, I let my wife take care of the heavy lifting as far as that's concerned, so that's awesome. As, as uh, Mr. Buckle said, my name is John. I don't know if you know what your name means. The name John means God's gracious gift. It also means toilet. So it's kind of God's way of keeping it real, you know what I'm saying? And that's the type of deep insight that you can anticipate from our time together here this morning, so that's good. Um, I, I am very passionate about UCF, and uh, this handsome and wonderfully sarcastic gentleman in the blue shirt right here, as I walked in a minute ago, he's like, hey, so you must love the Seminoles, right? Hey, oh, hey, oh. And so, uh, you're cute, man, it's cute. And so... Uh, here's what's funny about that is uh, I graduated almost 10 years to the day uh, from when I had originally gone away to play college baseball in North Carolina. I graduated from UCF as a non-traditional student. I took a semester off, uh, but I really had no concept of where I was going, what I was supposed to do. So I took a semester off. I was really dropping out. And so six years later, I had uh, a man, just like a man that would participate in a room like this, said, hey, two years from now, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be 28 years old, you can be 28 with a college degree or be 28 without, uh, which would you prefer? And I said, man, I'd love to have a degree. And he said, well, I believe you're supposed to go back to school and I can help you do that. And I said, uh, I said let me pray about it. Yes, the answer is yes. And so so went back and graduated from UCF. What's interesting, you talk about, and I know in this room, like personally, I know in this room there there are gators and knolls and, and, and hurricanes and bulls and the whole deal. I, I, and what's fascinating is I appreciate your passion about all those institutions. I'm very passionate about UCF. And uh, graduated from there in 2000, uh, traveled all over the country and really tout UCF. Um, but what's interesting is when I was a student there, just to your point, when I was a student there, it was not uncommon at all. I'd be sitting in a class and right beside me, there'd be a guy wearing a you know, gator shirt or a girl wearing a, you know, a, a Florida State pullover or whatever the case may be. And, uh, and, and their, whole, their whole deal is, well, I just grew up going to the swamp with my dad. And so that's cool. And, and I just tell people all the time, I, I visit with Dr. Hitt, president of the university, I say, hey, it's, it, you know, I don't think they should be expelled, you know, students that wear other school. I, I just think they shouldn't have the right to reproduce. So, that's, I mean, because they, they need an education, but, but let's just not have more of their type. And so, hey, um, I want to ask you this morning, like, what is, uh, and it's pretty cool, Pastor, Pastor Sean said, uh, uh, pastoring from Purpose Church. So I, I feel like uh, if you would allow me to speak on, uh, on purpose this morning. It would be a, a privilege to do that. Um, it's funny, I'm holding, uh, some of you guys may have already noticed. How many, guys, how many guys have ever attended a UCF sporting event just in the last decade, maybe in the last decade? So, all right, cool. Uh, you'll see this fall that we're rolling out, the athletics department rolling out a concept of, of UCF being Orlando's hometown school. And so, uh, but if you've been to a football game, if you've been to a basketball game, baseball game, softball, soccer, uh, you have likely seen, as, uh, as uh, Mr. Buckle said, you have likely seen or heard me down on the field uh, with the microphone uh, on the court, halftime entertainment, introducing whoever's singing the national anthem. We're doing contests. And, uh, you know, I got, uh, got Dave Mercedes. He's going to shoot a half-court shot here. If he makes this shot, he gets free tire rotation from Tire Kingdom for life. Are you, now, this guy's got some game, so I know that you actually wouldn't make that shot. And so, so I get to do that on campus and what's really cool is it's God's unique way, it's God's unique way of giving me like a tangible voice in the lives of UCF, UCF Athletics, and, and, and the fan base and the whole deal. And so I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. I want to I introduce this morning just the concept of purpose to you. I want to give you this statement that Jesus made, and obviously we're now on the backside of Easter, 
And uh, there's a few statements that Jesus made that uh, I think certainly, obviously, uh, an entire book of uh, statements that Jesus made that have really just changed our lives. There's a few in particular that he made on the cross that uh, for our church, Renovation Church over in, in uh, Orlando, East, o- East Orlando and Oviedo, uh, we talked about a few of those statements. One of them, uh, you know, Father, forgive them for knowing not what they're doing. And, and one of the things that we talked about is, is that forgiveness and Forgiveness is the key. Jesus came to be uh, forgiveness in the flesh, but uh, unforgiveness tends to be tends to be a prison that was is locked from the inside. So it's, it's purely a choice. We feel like, man, I want this person to learn. I want to, I want them to I want them to understand how deeply they've hurt me, and yet we're truly just poisoning ourselves. Uh, another statement that he made is 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 you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And no matter where you're at in your spiritual walk, if you're a person that, that deeply loves the Lord and, and you're feeling good about that, if you're a person that just kind of is investigating spiritual things, we've all felt like there were times when uh, just felt like, man, is like, God, are you aware of what's going on in my life? right? And even Jesus, like even Jesus said, man, I, I like, Dad, like I thought we had a plan and yet this is, this is tough. We face scenarios like that. One of the other statements that he made, which is what I just want to kind of springboard on this morning, is he said, it is finished. It is finished. Now, now the statement, it is finished, it's, it's, it's complete. It's entire. It's, what he's saying is, Father, you have sent me for a set of purposes, and I have, I have completed all of them. One of the things that we tend to say, is, it sounds, the language sounds very similar to it is finished. But one of the things that we tend to say, I mean, again, it, it can be articulated, uh, and it sounds almost like you're saying the exact same thing. We, Jesus said, it is finished. What we tend to say is, is I'm done. Like, and there's a gigantic, I mean, like, it sounds, it sounds exactly the same, but it's completely different. Jesus said, it is finished. This has been difficult, but I have given myself. This, is, this has been the most physically taxing, like literally beating, being beaten beyond recognition, and yet I have completed the task us, on the other hand, we tend to say, man, I'm done. Like, I'm done. I'm done with this job. I'm done with these kids. I'm done with this relationship. I'm done with my wife. I'm, do- I'm done. And, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that Jesus said it is finished, and he set the goal and, and the example for us to follow. I want to ask you this morning, what are the things in your lives, guys, that are unfinished? Like, what's the unfinished business? Now, here's the deal. I, I minister on, uh, on the second largest college campus in the United States of America. Some of you guys be aware. Some of you may not. 62,800 students at UCF. I travel all over the country and speak, um, you know, literally from, like, seriously, from Miami to Alaska. And everywhere I go, people are like, oh, yeah, man, UCF, that, man, they're on the come up and the whole deal. Here locally, we talk about UCF, and it's kind of like, oh, that's cute, UCF. Like, yeah, that's adorable. <laughs> You and your little school, Jay Hembry. You better stop, man, because you're one of the guys that I was thinking about. You jerk. And so he's like, oh, John, that's cute with your little, with your little hobby out at UCF. And so, so here's the deal. How do you minister on a campus like that, this gigantic place, and, and, and complete what God has called you to? If I asked you guys, state-supported university, people say, man, how do you go out there and make a difference? Like, how do you go out there and share your faith at a state-supported school? Here's what I found. You know what? If you just go out there and just start serving people, uh, they're not going to push back on that. 
What I have found, even in a state-supported university, and you guys can apply this to your respective marketplaces and, and just whatever your spheres of influence are, you know, people would say all the time, hey, man, I'm, 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 I might be opposed to spiritual things, but you know what? Nobody's opposed to being loved and served and encouraged. They really aren't. They don't have an issue with Jesus. In fact, research shows us that in the United States of America, 75%, doesn't matter what you hear, doesn't matter what, 75% of the people that you encounter on a daily basis actually believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 75%. Now, do they live? Do they live like that has actually influenced their lives? Probably not. Probably not. But 75% of them say, you know what? I, I mean, I really do believe Jesus was the Son of God. Now, here's the challenge, though. Here's the challenge. 75% of them believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They don't have an issue with God as a concept. They don't have an issue with, with perhaps the supreme, uh, you know, the supreme position of Jesus. What they have an issue with is, is people who claim to be people of faith, and yet they're hypocrites. That's, that's the issue. That's the issue. And when I'm working with student athletes out at UCF and the whole deal, and people are like, hey, man, like 20-year-old dudes and whatever, and, and people ask me, like, how do you get those guys? I say, hey, man, they're not, they're not opposed to spiritual things. I just try to be the voice that I wish I had had in my life when I was 20 years old. I want to ask you, I want to ask you, what is your unfinished business? Like, if you and I were sitting downstairs having some coffee, right? If you and I were sitting downstairs and having some coffee, and I said to you, hey, tell me, tell me how's, your, how's your walk? Like, how's your walk with the Lord? You know the vast majority of people... Like, if I asked you, how's your walk with the Lord, the vast majority of people, I mean, you would think, it, it, you would think it's, 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 man, God is good. I'm the beneficiary of his grace. I've been, I've been forgiven of a lot. Like, like, those are the things that we should start with. But if I asked, like, the majority of you guys, hey, man, like, how's your walk? You know, the first thought is, uh, I need to be doing better with my quiet time. Not really, not really spending much time with, in the Word like I should. Um, I need to be reading the word. I need to be praying more. I need to be serving more. I need to be giving more. Like, if I ask you, how's your walk with the Lord? Like, do you understand the grace that he's made available to you? Do you understand the freedom? Do you understand just, just how desperately he loves you? But that's not what we think. Particularly for us as guys, we start thinking about this list of things. Like, there's some things that I need to do. Now, here's what's interesting. And I had this conversation. It doesn't matter whether it's a college student uh, or or men in an advanced season of life have this conversation all the time. Like if you're 20 years old or, or, or it's, it's graduation season right now at UCF, and so there's a number of guys and ladies that I work with that are about to graduate and walk across the stage, and they have no idea what happens next. Have that conversation all the time with 21, 22, 23-year-olds, but you know what? It's not a whole lot less frequently that I have that exact conversation with 51, 52, 53-year-olds. Like, they just kind of look around. Is anybody listening? Hey, man, can I just tell you? Like, I'm not, I'm not fulfilled. Like, I'm not fulfilled. Like, I feel like there's something I'm, I'm supposed to be doing that I haven't. And here's what I want to say to you guys this morning. And, and, and we were praying and just, you know, he who has ears to hear, let him hear it. Here's the deal. I would say to you this morning... That, that if there's something that's unfinished in your life, if there's something that you haven't yet accomplished in your life, it's not because you don't know what it is. It's because you, you're not willing to take the risks and the chances and maybe even pay the costs that are going to be associated with pursuing that thing. I mean, it's real. That's real. People come to me all the time and say, hey, pastor, can I get some advice from you? 
And I would say, I would say probably like the vast majority, like eight out of ten people who come and ask me for advice, they don't really want my advice. They want to hear me say something that will support the decision that they've already made. You know why? Because they know, they know, man, I, I need to go have this tough, tough conversation, but that conversation is going to suck, man. It's going to be so awkward, and I don't want to do that. Man, I need to sit down with my wife. I need to sit down with my boss. I need, I need to go and ask for forgiveness. I need to go and offer forgiveness. I need to go and serve. I need to go and give. I need to go and whatever. We know, man, we know the things that we're supposed to be doing, but it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. It's going to be a little, and, and, and what I shared with Ryan in advance of our time here today, and I'm honored, tremendously honored to have just a few minutes to, to speak, hopefully something that would encourage and challenge you and there's a number of guys in this room that I'm looking at right now, a number of guys that I've been walking with for 10, 12, 15 years that have challenged me and really helped to formulate the guy that I am. What I share with Ryan, just the, the, the takeaway for you today is that God is not interested in your comfort. He is interested in your character. Nothing of significance, nothing of significance, nothing of significance can be accomplished while you are comfortable. And, and, and guys, talk to me about, hey, man, I'm, hey, how you doing, man? I'm good. Marriage is good, finances are good, health is good, and, and all of those things are fantastic and favorable, and yet, where are you being challenged? Where are you being stretched? Where, like, what are you willing to do? And, and, I, and I, am, I am an unusual example. I fully acknowledge that. Fully acknowledge that. Um, served, uh, served on staff at uh, three different churches as as pastor to students, living the, living the sweet, fat life of student ministry, which is, that's, yeah, that's sarcasm, that's sarcasm, and so, like, I mean, it's like that, like, me and my wife, me and my wife, we have five kids, so like I said, we're, we're big on reproduction and the whole deal, and so, um, thank you, thank you, and so, um, you know, like, like, student pastor, like, hey, we're going out to eat tonight, and, you know, here's the deal, like, 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 uh, you know, Little Caesars has been keeping ministry families in, in fine Italian cuisine like since 1977 or something like that. It's like $5 hot and ready, whatever. And I tell the kids, I'm like, hey, we're going out tonight for some Tex-Mex. And then we roll up into Taco Bell. And they're like, Dad, what you talking about? And I was like, hey, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling generous tonight. Everybody gets your own drink. Like, that's a big deal, right? Otherwise, it's just like a big bucket and everybody's drinking Sprite. It's just like, get a straw, man. It's just like, because it's like that. And, um, and about seven or eight years ago, I was serving as a student pastor at a church over in Ocala, a church at the Springs, magnificent, powerful, life-giving church, about 3,000 people there. I was a student pastor, middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students, had oversight to about 850 students. We were seeing regularly, we were seeing guys and ladies place their faith in Christ. Regularly, we were seeing guys and ladies uh, uh, demonstrate their faith and obedience in baptism, just like regularly, and yet, as surely as I'm talking to you guys right now, I could not sleep at night because I knew in my heart of hearts, just like I'm talking to you right now, I knew in my heart of hearts that God had called my family to UCF. At that point, in addition to being a student pastor, I was traveling and speaking, but when I was home, like when I was home, I just felt more and more just this tugging, right, to UCF because I had graduated from there. I was very passionate about that place, and, 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 and so I went into my pastor one day, and I, and I said, hey, um, I feel like God's called my family to UCF. And he said, man, that's going to suck for our church, but I actually I, I, I get it and I see it. And so literally, now here's, here's, where, here's where it gets real. And this is where I say I am, a unique, I am a unique example. Here's where it gets real. My wife and I, we spent a weekend away. The church that I was serving at, there were six pastors on staff, and so once every six weeks, 
uh, one of the guys on the pastoral staff would just kind of get away. And so my wife and I spent a weekend away, actually drove down to South Florida. UCF football was playing uh, FIU. And so we went down there to the game, and we just prayed, God, what do you want us to do? And God said, I want you to go. God said, I want you to go. And so here's the deal. As a, as a husband and as a father of five, I took a 100% pay cut. Now, I'm not good at math. That's, that's, that's a lot of it, though. 100% represents a large portion of it, right? And so, so I went to my wife. I said, hey, here's what I believe God's called us to do. I, I believe God's called us to mission, life on mission at UCF. And she was like, is there a job there? I said, there's not a job there, but there's a mission there, and I believe that's where we're supposed to be. And you know what? Throughout Scripture, we see instances and at once, okay, and, and instantly, okay, and immediately. And here's the deal. Like, we figure out ways, for us as guys, like, we're hunter-gatherers, we try to produce, and I, I asked you, if I asked you, like, it is finished, is it finished, and you're sitting there right now going, man, there's some things that I'm, I'm supposed to do, but man, that's going to, I mean, that's just not going to make a whole lot of sense. And the Word says that, that God's able to do immeasurably more than we could think or imagine. It says that He works in ways that are mysterious to us, and when I shared with the parents and the adult leaders at our church that we're packing up and we're going to Orlando. And these are guys and ladies that we have, man, we have been serving together and the whole deal. And they're like, uh, just tremendous honor to my family and I and our leadership. And, and, and here's, a, here's a line of 30 guys and ladies, parents of our students. And the first guy shake my hand and say, hey, man, that's awesome. Like, go, man. Like, that's real. Like, go. And the very next person is like, hey, man, this is, uh, this is foolish. Like, what you're doing is foolish. And, and, like I, and what they were saying is, I love you, I love your family, I want you guys to be provided for, and I would not do what you're doing. And when I told him, in fact, I've had this conversation with a few of the guys in the room, what I said is, hey, hey if I'm going to be considered foolish, here's, here's my position is, is, I'd much rather be obedient to God's leadership uh, and, and trust him with that than to know that he set me for something else. And I, I think that's foolish to know in my heart of hearts that he's got a purpose for me that is different than what I'm expressing, and I don't pursue that. I would say to you that that, above everything else, is foolish. It has been said that the, 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 the worst loss is to be fantastically successful at the thing that you were never supposed to do in the first place. And so I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it is for you. I'm wearing this, uh, I'm wearing this little ring, and, I, and I've had the opportunity just in different scenarios. Um, this West Orange County is a special place to me, like a uh, significant time at First, uh, First Baptist right up the street and Foundation Worship and, and Kensington over at, uh, at Windermere Prep. And I've shared a few different scenarios and, and opportunities. Like um, a few years ago, uh, UCF uh, won the Fiesta Bowl. I had the honor of uh, serving as the chaplain for that team. Uh, it was the first time and the only time in the history of the school that, uh, that uh, the football team allowed a full-time chaplain to travel with the team. Won the Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> I mean, I'm not good at math, but... Like, y'all paying attention? Coach O'Leary, Coach O'Leary um, who was a gruff man, no, no doubt, and yet a man who demonstrated that faith is important in every pregame, like, like four hours before kick, every single player, every single coach was in a room just like this, and I had the honor of speaking the truth of Jesus Christ from God's word into the lives of those guys. 
And then coach, after the season, coach calls me. I, man, I never asked, man. I just, you know, if they, if they give me a shirt, that's awesome. If they, if they got a spot on the plane for me, that's awesome. I travel, whatever. And then after the season, uh, a couple months goes by, and, you know, everybody's walking around. They got the bling and the whole deal. And, and uh, Coach O'Leary calls me, and I walk in. I sit down. He's like, hey, I got something for you. I was like, I think I like where this is going, man. So he slides this box across and opens it up, and here's this, here's this thing right here. And I understand. We're talking about guys with daughters. I understand why girls, like, when you get engaged, I understand, like, hey, how you doing? Like, hey. Like, I said yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even ever wear this thing, right, because it's just, like, ridiculously gaudy. But, like, after this, like, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. I'll be like, hey, can I get a number five, please? And so... <laughs> Y'all got any barbecue sauce? Because I need some of that. <laughs> oh, this little thing? No, nah, man. You want to see it? Like, guys come up to me like, hey, man, what's up? Like, what's up, bro? Like, what's up? And so um, here's the thing about this deal is um, I never wear it except for instances like this where we get to talk and share a little bit. Uh, and what is truly significant about that season is really not marked by this ring. Like, this ring is, uh, this ring is here today and gone tomorrow. What's truly significant is the number of guys on that team that I got to uh, lead to the Lord and baptize. What's truly significant, and people ask me all the time, like, how did you get to this place where you're, like, you're the, you're, the, you're the FCA director at UCF, and you get to work with all the teams, like, behind the scenes and the whole deal? And, and here's, the, here's the answer to that question. is like, I was willing to do things that nobody else was willing to do. And if you want to get to the place that everybody else wants to get to, you have to be willing to do the things that nobody else is willing to do. That's the truth. And that's true professionally. That's true from a marriage standpoint. People look at marriage and go, man, that marriage is so solid. That's so awesome. What they don't account by, man, they just lucked out and they found a good, you know, they went on Match.com and it hooked up. No, what they don't account for is that every single night that man grabs that woman's wife and says, hey, babe, uh, let's just pray. 30 seconds at least. Let's just pray. Every single night. That's a commitment that we've made. They don't understand what it takes to cultivate those types of things. See, see, we see in, in, in public the things that we desire. We don't understand the dedication that takes place in private to help, to help set the tone for that. Jesus said, it is finished. I have done everything that has been commanded of me. I, I have completed it so that you guys, so that you guys could be the beneficiaries of grace. And I've shared in multiple environments over here in West Orange, like this list of things that would that would have kept me separated from God in a place called hell, which is real. And we, like, we don't even talk about that. Like in church, we don't even talk about that anymore, right? And here's the deal. Like 15 years old, gave myself away physically to a girl who's not my wife. 17 years old, cussed my mom out so bad. Like my, my single mom, like, like parents were divorced before I was two. 17 years old, cussed my mom out, disrespect my mom so bad that she kicked me out of the house. Had to go somewhere. So went to my dad, and, and, and the word says if you look at someone with hatred in your heart, it's as if you're killing them in your heart. And my father, I hated him because I wondered, why am I not good? Like, why do you not want me? Like, you, you created me, and then you just left. So I hated my father in my heart. This is just this list of things. And yet, January 23rd, 1994, I realized that Jesus had paid a price so that I could be the beneficiary of grace, and it changed everything. And even on a college campus, people are like, man, do you really believe in that fairy tale? Do you really believe in that myth? And I can say, hey, man, you can question whether God is real and he set the whole thing in motion. You can question whether, you can question whether Jesus was the son of God or whether he was resurrected. People, somebody asked me the other day related to, to Easter. They said, hey, what's the fact about the resurrection that, that means the most to you? 
Was it that Jesus was documented and seen by over 500 people? I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Was it, was it the fact that, that this two-ton stone was rolled out of the way uphill? Was it, was, was, was it the fact that his clothes, his grave clothes, like they could have stolen his body. They were just taking him out, but they left his clothes. Like, which of those facts means the most to you? I said the fact about the resurrection that means the most to me is that it healed me. Like, I'm not talking about his story. I'm talking about the fact that, that I am the beneficiary of grace. And this list of things that would have kept me separated from, from God ha, has actually, I am, I am redeemed and restored. And as a result of my appreciation, not a sense of obligation, but a sense of devotion, I'm just saying, here I am, God send me. And it's amazing, even in American church culture, how many people, perhaps guys, as husbands and leaders, we say, man, I love Jesus, and we want, to get, we want to get up in arms about, man, they're talking about taking in God we trust off of, off of our, our money, and yet we don't, we don't tend to trust in God. We tend to trust in the bank account. That's the truth. That's why there was this line of people in front of me that said, hey, man, what you're doing is foolish. And I'm like, hey, thanks for that encouragement. Awesome. Glad your daughter knows the Lord because my wife and I have been serving her. And they're like, no, 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 but I just don't want you, I don't want you to hurt. I don't want you to be stretched. I don't want you to, here's what's interesting about that. And we'll, we'll finish up here in just a second. A couple seasons ago, it was announced that, uh, that Coach O'Leary, you know, he's, he's done. And obviously, the entire staff now, these guys are like, man. I mean, you walk in there for pregame devotional, and it was just like the weight of the world. Like, not only for the coaches who all understand, for the most part, like, like my entire life is about to change. We got four more games. Now we got three more games. Now we got two. I'm trying to look for a job. I'm going to have to find another place to go, whatever. But only the, the, the players, too, are thinking, man, I'm thinking about transferring, getting out of here. Man, this whole deal is just whack, whatever, whatever, whatever. And, and so finally, with a heart toward purpose, one of those pregame devotionals, I just got out there and said, hey, man, players, I'm going to talk to the coaches for a minute. And they're like, okay. Because it's typically player-focused, right? So let me, talk to the, let me talk to the coaches for a minute. I, like, I understand you guys are carrying the weight of, like, where do we go next? What do we do next? I said, let me just share with you. Like, you guys don't have any idea. Like, if you come to a, come to a sporting event at UCF, uh, I'm down on the field, down on the court, like I said, and that's great and that's awesome. But I'm not a... I'm not an employee of the university. I'm a volunteer. Now, if you asked anybody out there, if you asked the athletic director, if you asked the senior associate, if you asked this coach or that coach, they would say, hey, John is our chaplain. But I'm a volunteer. I'm a volunteer. And, you know, the value of that, the power of that is, is somebody from some witch hunt organization in, in Wisconsin can't come and say, hey, state-supported school, they got a chaplain on, on, on staff, and he needs to be done. Like, the school can say, no, this guy, this guy just shows up. And, and he keeps showing up, and he keeps showing up, and he keeps showing up. You know what's amazing? The coaches, the, the text message, the calls I get in the middle of the night, hey, can, can you come? And uh, I'm not on staff with the university. I shared with those guys that day. I said, here's the deal. Like, what are you called to? Like, what, what's your unfinished business, guys? Like, what's your unfinished business real? It's real. At the end of your days, you're not going to sit back and go, man, if only I had continued to build the kingdom, if only I had continued to build my kingdom, if only I had, if only. Now, what you're going to think is that the, the areas where I missed the mark is probably related to my spouse, is probably related to the time that I spent with my kids, is probably related to investing and serving. Like, those are the things where we really check ourselves, but those are not the things that seem to be most important right now. And I told the coaches that day, I said, here's the deal. 
as a, as a Fellowship of Christian Athletes missionary on this campus, I'm not on staff, I have to raise 100% of my support. And I said, you coaches are thinking that at the end of this season, your contract is going to be done, and you're going to have to go and find another job. And I said to those guys, and this got in their business, and it would be good for you guys to hear, I said, as a, as a missionary on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Seven of the last 12 months, I went into the beginning of the month without enough resources to pay our bills at the end of the month. That's the life that we live. And yet, this is where I'm supposed to be. Now, it would be easy. Like, it would be easy. Hey, man, let's just go get a job. Let's just go get a job. And yet, the countless guys and ladies that we've had the opportunity to walk with and serve and encourage and see them place their faith in Christ and then as a result see them be baptized and then as a result see them go on mission trips... Like, like, if we weren't willing to do the things that are uncomfortable, then those guys would just be out there. And we live in a culture where people say, hey, man, 18 to 24, 18 to 22, hey, man, go to college and just do your thing. And people culturally think that college is the worst time of your life. You, you walk away from your faith, and yet what we see is college kids that grow closer to the Lord than they've ever been. And that's because my wife and I a long time ago said, hey, we'll go. I just want to ask. Like, what is your will go? Like, what is it? You probably could identify two or three things. You know what? This has kind of, been on my heart. Embrace that. Trust that. I tell people all the time, don't try to do the math, because God is bigger than your finite understanding. He just needs your obedience. Trust and obey. Like old school, trust and obey. There's no other way. It feels so counter, man. It feels so counter to kind of let go and just trust that God has, has directed and that he will, be, he will show up. And Scripture says it's a light, like it's a light, like not the, entire, not the entire path, but just these steps right here. That's just all I need to know right now, just to walk and go. And we live in a world in American Christian culture, in American church culture, where not even people that attend church on Sunday mornings are willing to truly trust God's leadership in their lives. I can, only be, I can only be on staff at UCF with FCA because there's some guys that say, hey, man, you know what? I love what you guys are doing. I'll never even step foot. I, I, you know, I do love my other school that I went to. I'll never even step foot on that campus, and yet I understand the value of what you're doing. And then as a result of that, a couple years ago, God said, hey, I want you to start a church. And I was like, man, we can't start a church with, like, college kids because they, they don't write tithe checks. I mean, like, they don't. Like, seriously, we take the offering at our church, and it's like there's a, there's a Chick-fil-A gift card and a cookie and, like, $9 in nickels. And we're like, yeah, bro, it's going down for real. So here's the deal, right? And God said, John, what I've called you to is not predicated upon the resources that will or will not be. I said, I, said, I am the resource. I just need you to trust me. So I want to encourage you guys as we close. I want to encourage you guys that God is the resource. There are things that he wants to accomplish in and through you. And there are, there are ways that he can impact you and your spouse and your children and your parents. He can, in, he can impact and influence your sphere of influence by your grace-filled obedience in a way that he could not if you're out there plowing Nobody writes the stories. Nobody wants to see the movies about the guy that did it for himself. The stories that captivate us are the guys and ladies that give their lives away for something greater. So let me just challenge you guys, wherever you're at in your season of life. Like, what is my unfinished business? Don't settle. Don't settle. 
for anything less than faith-filled obedience and God's leadership in your life. Let me pray. Most gracious Father, thank you for these men. Thank you for every home that's represented here today. Um, God, thank you for every, every marriage. Thank you for every family. Thank you for the fathers, the brothers, the sons. Um, God, thank you for the community leaders. God, thank you for the servants. Jesus, thank you for setting the ultimate example of dedication and commitment to purpose. Like you said, hey, hey, Father, if, 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 if it's possible, take this cup away from me. And yet, if not, like, like not my will, but yours be done. Thank you for that just, just incredibly committed dedication, Jesus, that you showed. And we're the beneficiaries of that. So, God, thank you for these guys. Whatever stirring, whatever prompting, whatever unfinished business, whatever true burden, whatever true desire, whatever, whatever that passion is, whatever that purpose is, God, I pray that today these guys would take some next steps. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a letter. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's to get in the car and drive across town. Maybe it's to plan the flight Maybe it's to book the trip. Maybe it's to write the check. Maybe it's to ask forgiveness. Maybe it's to humble ourselves. God, whatever, and I'm sure many of those hypothetical scenarios apply in super real and tangible ways in the lives of these guys. And so, God, thank you for your great grace. Thank you for your hope. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for your patience with us. God, thank you for forgiveness. And thank you that you are able to do immeasurably more than we can think or imagine, not by some, some mythical, intangible force that kind of exists out there, but by the power of the living God that, uh, that is doing work within us even now. So we say, here we are. Send us. We pray these things in the name of the, the one whose very existence split time. That is Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Give it Thank up. You. Thank you.